Hey everyone, it's Megan Bowen, and you are listening to the Unwritten Playbook Podcast, where we showcase how smart and interesting people are breaking away from how things have always been done and charting a new path. We will explore topics ranging from marketing, sales, customer success, and also personal development and leadership themes. Join us to learn from pioneers who are paving the way for what the future brings. Hey everyone, welcome to the Unwritten Playbook, where we talk to interesting people who are rejecting a status quo and paving a new way. Today, I'm really excited to have Lyndon Johnson here with me, founder of Think Differently and general manager of Comms Bar. Welcome to the show, Lyndon. It's good to have you on. It's good to be here. Thank you. That. So um, I, I would love for you to expand on, on your introduction. Tell us more about you know, who you are, what you've done, and, and why we should care. I always describe myself as being a recovering journalist um, because that was where I started my career. Uh, my qualification, my degree is in broadcast journalism, and it taught me how to ask questions. And I think that's something that through everything else I've done, it's been a tool that I've used. So um, I I loved kind of being able to ask questions and and kind of get people to answer and then be able to have the discussion. So anybody that knows me knows that this kind of thing is kind of exactly my my kind of thing. It's uh, an opportunity to to kind of share ideas. Um, But from journalism, I went into communications after um, what I thought was going to be a relatively short stop in um, PR and uh, then go back into broadcasting. But that six-month initial kind of contract turned into a career that's been 23 years now. And uh, I've gone from working in-house initially for uh, local government in the UK uh, to working for Fox, actually, uh, in their their program sales department for their sports content in London at the uh, turn of the millennium. And then uh, I did kind of 10 or 11 years in agencies before deciding to start my own business. And when I started my own business, the whole idea was to try and address some of the issues that I saw, particularly in PR, but within the communications industry as a whole, um, for the benefit of everybody, for the benefit of, of businesses that couldn't get help because of the model and the fees associated with it, or wouldn't be able to benefit from it because of the stage of the business. Uh, but also you know, to help my industry, because I think you know, right now, the way it works isn't Uh, to our advantage. And I want to try and fix that. I love that. And I think we're going to get into this um, in in the conversation. And, you know, what I I always like to ask is what is the status quo that you reject and and why you reject it? So I think you've you've sort of teased us with what what I think we're (laughs) going to get into. But if you want to kind of declare um, what that that status quo is that you reject, and then we can really dive deep into this. I'm excited to, to get into this topic with you. Uh, basically, I reject the status quo of the PR industry as it stands right now, um, you know, both in terms of the retainer fee and the model, uh, in terms of the way that PR is understood um, and the way that it's implemented by many practitioners in my industry, both in-house and in agencies. And uh, I think that it, it, it does us a disservice. It, means that people don't understand what we do. They think it's about uh, media coverage when in reality it's about building and maintaining mutually beneficial relationships. And I think the the way in which the business model works uh, doesn't help customers and it doesn't help our industry. It doesn't help, you know, kind of people working in public relations to demonstrate the value of what they do. And so uh, I decided 10 years ago now that that was something I was going to try and address. 
I love it. And I think you really broke that down into, I think, three really good points. I think one is what is PR and there's a misconception in the market and you have a, a mission to sort of change that that perception, then it's, you know, not only redefining what it is, but then how are we actually delivering that outcome or that service to customers and you have thoughts on that and then layering on a different way to think about the business model. Yeah. Um, and so I want to really dive into each of those three points because I think that each of them are, are interesting on their own, but obviously very much connected. And so I think to set the context, um, talk to me about what you believe is the misconception of PR and what your definition is and, and sort of the message that you're trying to evangelize in the market of, you know, redefining what this is to people. So tell me like what, what the old, the old way and the new way, right? <laughs> the common perception is it's all about media coverage, whether it's earned and published in kind of publications in newspapers, magazines, or on TV or radio. Um, and that it's, uh, or whether it's um, owned media or, or shared media with kind of the peso model. And um, the perception is that the value is somehow in publishing what you want people to know. And fundamentally, I think that that's wrong. It's this kind of, you know, that is publicity. It's generating awareness. And when people talk about PR, they talk about generating awareness. And you think if you actually look at the definitions, which I have done and I do quite a lot, I can't find a definition that is the same as the industry uses unless I'm looking inside the industry. When you look outside of the industry, uh, the definition of what the industry describes as PR and what customers believe is PR is actually publicity. Um, and for me, PR is about building and maintaining mutually beneficial relationships that have value for both the organization and also for the third party in that relationship, whether it's a customer or an investor or, um, you know, an interested party for whatever reason, somebody that shares the same values as the organization. So purchases products or services because of, you know, the fact the company stands for something that, that they share as a common value. And that process of, of building and maintaining relationships for me, again, it's in the name public relations. It's about building relationships with public, you know, publics has become a term that people don't tend to use now, but really the stakeholders, they're groups of people. They're people that can be grouped by a shared connection or a shared attribute. Um, and you build relationships with them based on that shared attribute and, that's my definition of public relations. Yeah. And let's dig into this a little bit more because I, I want to dig into why um, this misconception exists. I mean, I like I certainly associated PR with like getting in the Wall Street Journal. Right. That's absolutely what I thought of it. And clearly I'm buying into this misconception. But I, you know, my hypothesis and just, you know, talking with you now, it's like that's like a very clear deliverable that an agency can provide to a customer. Right. Like I got you into the Wall Street Journal and you're going to pay me X amount of money per month because I'm getting you X number of media placements. And so is is that why this misconception exists? Because this was the way that agencies could could monetize their efforts or like I'm probably missing something like how did we get here why why is this the case it started with two people um with uh, Ivy Lee and uh, Ben a guy called Bernays um and essentially they're kind of lauded as being the kind of founding fathers of the industry uh, but when you understand what they did and how it was used it's 
essentially propaganda because they were helping companies to deliver uh, a custom message to an audience with the goal of having them believe what they were being told. And Bernays made the switch from being a propagandist um, to working for governments or for the tobacco industry um, to public relations. And there's video of him talking about it where he explains that the only reason it went from being propaganda to public relations was because he uh, Bernays believed that calling it propaganda would set the wrong tone with the people they were trying to convince to believe things on behalf of organizations. And so that's how we got to the PR industry as it is today, essentially kind of doing the same things tactically as Bernays did. That's Originally crazy. Designed for propaganda but then, I mean, spun and positioned in a way that made them more acceptable, made them more palatable to consumers, to people that they were trying to build a relationship with. The difference is that a lot of what Bernays did initially was for the benefit of the organization. It wasn't about building a relationship for mutual benefit, but that's essentially how we got the PR industry that exists right now, and nothing much has changed um, since you know the 30s or 40s. I didn't know that. That is so fascinating. And I mean, you could argue that it's a huge industry. Um, it's a huge industry. And that's, I guess, why nothing has changed, because it was a way to make money for companies to distribute propaganda. Because if all you're doing is pumping out company message, that's effectively what you're doing. You're not trying to build a relationship. I always use the analogy that, you know, if you're dating and you walk in a bar and all you do is talk about yourself and you tell the other person that you meet how great you are, that's not building a relationship because there's no interest in the other person. All you're trying to do is persuade them to do whatever it is you want them to do. Right. For that. Well, you speak my language when you say that you're trying to create mutually beneficial relationships or like win-win relationships. I am all about that. I, I believe that every relationship in life should be win-win. Sometimes, you know, I don't believe that life is a zero-sum game. I believe in the abundance mentality. Um, even though it might be harder to get to an outcome that is win-win, there's always a way to get there. Um, and if not, I'd rather, you know, have sort of have no deal than a win lose situation that that would like that that's my choice i don't i don't believe in someone having to lose for for me to win and so i'm fascinated now when you bring this concept into this into the world of pr um you know let's talk more like how how do you help your customers build these mutually beneficial relationships? It's not, it's not easy to do. And so what, tell me more about like what you're doing to sort of inspire this shift or change in paradigm in the, in the industry. Well, the first thing is really identifying what the mutual benefit is. And it's, it's where if you understand why people would want to have a relationship with your organization or with you as an entrepreneur, it becomes really easy to be able to build relationships based on that premise or to test it. Because if you believe that, you know, if the hypothesis is that, you know, there are a group of people that would be interested in building a, a relationship with its commercial or whether it's around shared vision or values or purpose, um, you can test to see whether that's the case or not. 
but also it enables you to split between people that do and people that don't. So that if you're trying to achieve a goal, people that don't share that attribute or don't want to build a relationship with your company based around it are not people that matter for the purposes of that uh, outcome. It might be that they're uh, important for the purposes of something else. But when you're looking at building them strategically, um, identifying those people is really key. And then once you've done that, it's about figuring out, okay, how do you build the relationship, um, you know, to a point where it becomes actionable, to become useful for the business, clearly having value for, for you know, the people that are involved. Um, but one of the ways that we did it as part of the process over the years is actually developing a method and a, a, a series of um, strategy development canvases for figuring out how each individual business builds relationships designed around a specific outcome rather than just saying we have a method and we apply it to all our customers because really the method is only relevant in the context of um, the relationships you're trying to build whether they're customers investors whether they're kind of brand advocates people that share same set of um, beliefs or values or, or you know kind of have a shared purpose until you understand that it's impossible to build a relationship that is going to help you build them to a point where they become useful for achieving an outcome and so you know fundamentally Mentally, we just kind of get right at the very hub, you know, what's the shared value, what's the mutual benefit, you know, to building the relationship. And then that triggers, you know, the process of figuring out how you actually build the relationship in context. That's great. And so it sounds like there's a lot of investment and effort up front to dis- sort of a discovery or exploration process with a customer to really understand what is your business, what are your outcomes that you're trying to achieve in order to achieve those, who are the different stakeholders that you need to engage with to achieve those outcomes? How are those stakeholders benefiting from that engagement? What is the win-win, right? Um, And then once you go through that process and you're able to define, okay, here's, you know, my, my, my customer group and here's the value proposition to the customer, Maybe here's my investor group. Here's the value proposition to them. Here's these maybe partners and and the value proposition to them. Talk to me more about then how you execute against that. That in and of itself is, I can, is there's a ton of value there, right? Because I think a lot of companies probably think that they have that figured out, but haven't like fully put themselves in their customer shoes to really understand what a win means to them. But once you get through that process, how do you help a business then facilitate, like you're almost like a matchmaker a little bit? <laughs> a little bit. Although one of the things that, that we've kind of differentiated in the way that we're approaching it, again, it's about kind of rejecting the status quo um, of the industry. We don't actually do the implementation on behalf of customers because it's one of those things that if you're building relationships with other people, whether it's for business or whether it's in your personal life, if you send a proxy, the relationship gets built with the proxy. It doesn't get built with you. And yeah. so, like your dating analogy, you're not going to send somebody to, yeah. to go on your date for you. Send my better, my better looking <laughs> best friend to go and, you know, kind of go for dinner with somebody that, you know, I ultimately am interested in. It doesn't work that way. Um, and so, what we, one of the things that we did was create 
We created a canvas. So one of the things that we wanted to be able to do was to do that needs analysis you just talked about, about where are they and what are they doing and what's the mutual benefit and to understand how much of the information that was going to be necessary an organization has in hand and how much of it is based on assumption and how much is based on on evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we developed a a canvas that did that needs analysis um, for us because our business is really in strategic guidance. It's about kind of helping businesses understand the gaps in their uh, understanding of what they need to do, whether it's the right people or whether it's the mutual benefit or whether it's how you actually go about starting conversations with that kind of group of people. Um, And we deliver it like a genius bar. Um, It's like an Apple genius Mm -hmm. bar where you walk in with a problem. In this case, it's a business problem rather than the technology one. And we actually help kind of them figure out what the next steps are but the canvas that we developed was really a way to change people's perception of what they thought they needed to help them understand that they didn't need media coverage if they hadn't built the relationships where the people that were going to see the media coverage actually had a relationship with their organization at some level and mm-hmm. with a particular purpose in mind. And so we really don't implement. We can help uh, connect businesses that we work with on the strategy development side with companies that actually implement any piece of it. But it's really about helping support the business to implement, um, whether it's externally uh, with partners or internally using resources in the business, um, because we don't want to be doing the implementation. It doesn't help us and it doesn't help our customers because the value ultimately would be with us, not with the, the, the company that needs the help and is paying us money um, to help them to do it. It's an acknowledgement that there's got to be some investment by the business in actually building those relationships rather than just outsourcing it to somebody else, which again is a, a kind of a, a pushback on the way that the industry traditionally has worked. Yeah, exactly. And so is it fair to say then that you you know, you go through that discovery process to help the business clarify, you know, the right people they want to connect with, the benefit that they have. You help them probably craft some messaging around how to get their point across most effectively. And then are you also coaching them on effectively like relationship building tactics? Like, okay, if you want to get in front of these, this group, this is where this group hangs out like this is like you have to meet them where they're at and here like are you giving them guidance and specific strategy of how to build that relationship i'd love to hear maybe an example that you can share um, or a little bit more more detail because you're, you're almost like teaching them how to date if you will if we go back to the analogy <laughs> Yeah, basically, that's exactly what we're doing. And and the way that it works can vary depending on the organization. So if they need a lot of help in a short period of time, then we're there to support them. And if they need occasional help, um, we're there to support them as well. It's about getting the business the help and getting them unstuck um, in whatever form or whatever shape that looks like. Um, and, and, you know, we can kind of, it goes back to, my journalism background that, you know, me and the other um, specialists that I work with have that kind of curiosity and that kind of sense of asking questions without necessarily telling somebody that they're wrong. 
We made that decision early on that we were never going to tell anybody that their belief about the situation they were in or the strategy that they wanted to use was wrong. We just asked for evidence. And one of the things that we do a lot is help them set up experiments so that, you know, if you think you have an assumption, so you think that in order to get a particular outcome, you need to build relationships with a particular group of people. Let's test it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's set the experiment up using Eric Reese's Lean Startup methodology of build, measure, learn, set the experiment up, go and run the experiment. And it's, you know, the, the, the you know, Eric Reese, Steve Blank, get out of the building. It's actually go and talk to customers or talk to prospects or talk to people that have the problem that you're trying to solve because you either find out that the assumption that you have is correct or you'll find that you don't have evidence to support it, in which case it may not be how you think it is. And you can run experiments to gather information until you're satisfied that, you know, either the assumption is disproved and you start again. And okay, so if that isn't the case, Mm -hmm. you know, how do I get information to kind of give me a sense of where I am with that or you to prove it and say, okay, well, if I know this is the case, I can start to build a strategy because I have certain pillars that I know, you know, 100%, I have evidence to prove are true. Um, one example that, that we did was with a customer that wanted uh, 70% market share in three years uh, in a particular niche industry. Uh, they already had some customers in uh, another part of um, the kind of industry, um, but we helped them to actually determine uh, three routes to achieving that goal, all around building relationships. Uh, but doing it in different ways. One was to go directly to the decision maker. One was to um, kind of go at it through an influence uh, organization mm-hmm. that had the potential to mandate something which would then trigger, uh, you know, kind of potential customers for their product because they were the only company that could do it. Um, and one was doing it the, the traditional way of kind of generating thought um, leadership and awareness via media. And we were able to prove that actually doing it the first two ways not only was going to give them a better shot at doing it, it was actually going to be far quicker than if they did it the traditional way. And so by presenting those scenarios and asking questions and getting them to look at, you know, the the comparable um, kind of strategies, um, we helped them to, to kind of get the foundation in place to be able to achieve what, what they were looking uh, to do. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So I now want to get to the business model. I have a hypothesis because I think the way that we're talking, you are working with a a potential customer of your business really for a short period of time. And it really, I love cliches, like you're, you're trying to teach them how to fish, right? Not fish for them. You're trying to help them through a discovery process to get the clarity that they need and then teach them tactics and give them strategies and then kick them out of the nest, right? And have them go and and implement those on their own. So I, I, I would imagine a typical PR agency is wanting to hold on to a customer for as long as possible and charge them that monthly retainer fee um, and, you know, keep pointing to the, you know, media mentions that they they're able to secure as the deliverables and the justification for that monthly retainer. And so how have you disrupted the business model or how, you know, how does your pricing work? What are you able to share on that? We started with this. So when I left the UK 10 years ago, a conversation that I had uh, was with uh, um, an existing customer of the agency that was going to continue working with them, but wanted to work with me separately. And um, it, it was around the fact that 
they were having trouble applying what the agency was doing for them into the business. And looking at, you know, the market, so there were lots of companies like this um, that were using an agency and weren't necessarily being able to translate that into value inside the organization or know how to use it. And also that there were lots of companies that couldn't get help at all because they couldn't afford the retainer fees. And so when we looked at it, um, I think, you know, upwards of 95% of any economy um, in Europe or in North America um, is startups and small businesses. The existing market for public relations done the traditional way is less than 5% of the total economy. Wow. 5%, 95%. Congested market, really uh, an untapped opportunity. And so we just decided that we would try and figure out how to uh, develop a business model that enabled us to serve those businesses um, in a structured way, because otherwise, if they weren't working with an agency or maybe with a, a freelance um, consultant, they didn't really have a structured approach to PR and then by association marketing and publicity and kind of making it all fit together. Mm-hmm. So that communications becomes a strategic management function, which is really the, the kind of thing that everybody in PR marketing publicity is trying to achieve you want to be that strategic um kind of management function and so we decided that one of the models that was out there for providing help and advice quickly was apple's genius bar and so we just decided we would try and model a business around that and see whether it was something that we could actually deliver value for the customer we could deliver something that enable people to access kind of help in whatever way they needed, but also gave us the opportunity to generate revenue, um, which is really untapped because if you've got 95% of the market and nobody else is really playing in it exactly for the reason that they don't have the budget to afford, whether it's five, 10, whatever thousand dollars a month, um, nobody else is working in that space. And so we started with that as the the core business model. But over the the kind of years, we've developed a series of tools um, that we can offer that are another revenue stream for us, Um, consulting and workshops, internal uh, work with enterprise now and with agencies, helping them to use the system that we've developed. So by starting with that kind of um, approach to try and do something different, we've actually developed revenue streams that no agency really has because they're so focused on a a small number of customers because they have capacity limits, because they're paying such a large amount of money. The expectation is that, you know, they get um, a majority share of attention from the account team that's working on that account. We've developed a business model that, you know, we believe has has untapped or has kind of unlimited potential um, and can grow exponentially. It's really just finding customers that need help with PR and marketing, but not in the traditional way that the, the agencies operate, which going back to the original premise was 95% of most major economies. So we yeah. think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, a pretty uh, good opportunity. That's awesome. And so, it, I mean, to summarize, it sounds like you're moving away from the large monthly retainer fee model and it really like based 
you're meet, it sounds like you're meeting your customers where they are and they have options. And so it sounds like they're able to potentially work with you on a like project basis and pay you some type of fixed or monthly fee for a specified period of time for a particular thing. It sounds like you also have products where maybe they're able to make a one-time purchase for a particular product and then take that information and turnkey that internally. So it's almost, you have like an a la carte menu of these different either services or products that they're able to to purchase. Um, But because the total addressable market you have is so big, you've been able to build a sustainable business through volume of these types of smaller purchases. It's a la carte with one exception. We don't do retainers. We don't just haven't, we've never done them. Uh, And I've turned away business from people that want to work in that way because it fundamentally changes both the expectation and also the way our process works. And I know that it doesn't deliver the value that customers are expecting. And it also changes the dynamic. So the expectation is that we do things for them rather than actually helping them to learn. And so we've always refused to do it. We have three main services, and these have been the same right from the very start. We do in the same way that you would go to a genius bar. We do 15 minute, 30 minute and 60 minute strategy sessions, essentially. Um, And they're priced at, at $69 $69 for the 15, uh, 109 for the half hour, and 199 uh, for the hour. Wow. We also offer the ability for people to buy in bulk. So if you want to put some money kind of into PR or into strategic marketing, a consultant's advice, you can put it in and you get the discounts so that you get a certain number of hours. If you use them as 15 minute kind of uh, increments, because you need to, you can use them in exactly that way. If you need to do a 15 minute one this time this week, but next week you need to do an hour. And then the week after that, you need to do a half hour. You can use them in any way that makes sense for your business, because why would we limit how you use your investment in PR and marketing? The idea is to deliver as much value as possible. So we we kind of give people that a la carte menu. But the one thing that isn't on there is the all you can eat. I love that. That's awesome. Um, so I always ask to to wrap up. I have sort of two final questions that are always fun to end on. So let's fast forward 10 years. It's 2030, little future cast. How do you, you know, what is your hope? What does the PR landscape look like? Is everyone bought into your view of it? What do you hope to be true 10 years from now? I think the my view of it doesn't really matter. I hope that the industry has, one, been able to define what it does and the value that it delivers um, so that it becomes a strategic management function. And I hope that businesses, I think, better understand how to use it as a strategic tool because I think that part of the way it works right now means that neither of those things the case and so if i fix just those two things i think you know 10 years that would be um kind of really nice to see one of the things that we've done over the last few years is create a sandbox for anybody to experiment so that it doesn't have to be the way we work it doesn't have to be the way that agencies work traditionally. What we try to do is create this ability for both customers and for practitioners in agency or in-house to find out 
how it works best for them so that PR you know, has strategic value, which may be different between organizations. It may be different depending on what the outcome you're looking to achieve is. Um, and the business model may be different. But hopefully by doing that, um, agencies can develop more sustainable business models for both us as practitioners in the industry, but also for customers. I love that. Um, makes makes total sense. I'm I'm bought in. So um, last question, if you have one one piece of advice that you could give to anyone listening, you know, if people could just take away one major thing from this conversation with them, uh, what what would that be? I think it's that PR doesn't have to be a five or $10,000 a month investment. And it isn't something that you need to outsource. You need to be involved in it, like dating, building relationships in personal lives. You have to be involved and you have to um, be a part of that process. Um, I guess the other thing is that you know companies start everything they do by figuring out whether they have the right relationships in place and whether they're strong enough to support the marketing action that you're going to ask those people to take. Um, because if you don't have those two things, which really is what public relations is all about, anything else you do is likely to fail. Yeah. So ask yourself those two questions. Who are the key people? And are they strong enough that when I ask them to do something, whatever that might be, that there's a likelihood that they will take that action? I love that. I love this conversation because if anyone knows me, they know I'm I'm really big on um, just human to human interaction, empathy, emotional intelligence. I am a big customer success um, evangelist, of course. And I think what you really touched on here was how to build real and authentic, mutually beneficial relationships. And I think that's key to everything in business and in life. And I never thought about PR that way. And your this conversation has really changed my view, which is, is, is awesome. And I think to anchor that back into, um, shifting people's perspective, um, focusing on what really matters and setting them up for success to build those win-win relationships to not only help their business, but help their, their customers, investors, partners, I think is a beautiful thing. Um, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lyndon. Um, we should do this again. I feel like, uh, you have so much more to say. We could, we could have a part two of this conversation in the future. <laughs> it's been great. Thank you. Yeah. And anytime, anytime you want to, uh, continue the conversation, I'll be happy to, to be a part of it. I love it. Well, thanks again for joining us today. 